you can be seated. The beautiful words of that song, Christ the Lord, our cornerstone, that's what he wants to be for you. And a question I want to ask is, have you already surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord? Is he your Lord and is he your cornerstone? And if you cannot with absolute confidence say, yes, he's my Lord, yes, he's the cornerstone of my life, I want to encourage you to make a decision to trust him that way, surrender to him as your Lord today. Now, as I get started, I want to ask you a really important question. Have you already decided where you're going to lunch? All right. Some of you are going to stand out in the lobby or sit in the front seat of your car, and you're going to spend five minutes debating where you're going, right? Monisa, for Monisa and me, it's always easier if we decide before we ever get to church where we're going for lunch or we're going home, we're going out, if we're going out, where are we going? Because there's so many options around here and it seems like, you know, all the time new places are opening up and there's just so many places to choose from. And that's how life is. It's just filled with choices and with options for us in America. I didn't know this, but I learned something this week. Let me ask you, how many items do you think are in the average supermarket, the average grocery store in America? How many items do you think are in the average one? Tell me something. 50,000 is the average. About 50,000 items in the local grocery store, some more, some less. There are 53 varieties of Campbell's condensed soup. 27 varieties of Crest toothpaste. Get a life. And then my favorite, Briar's ice cream. Not just the different flavors, just vanilla, okay? Just vanilla only. You can get it natural, French, half the fat, no sugar added, extra creamy, homemade, lactose-free, carb smart. Isn't America a great place to live? I mean, we, we just have so many options and so many choices when it comes to almost everything. In fact... Researchers at Cornell University determined that uh, the average person makes 226.7. They got it down to the tenth. 226.7 decisions a day regarding food. Now, normally for breakfast, I eat oatmeal. But this morning, I chose a banana and a glass of tomato juice instead choices. Many of you have already made a lot of choices, and and I love this picture because in some ways that's a picture of life, isn't it? You get that beautiful cupcake laden with calories, and the apple is tasty, but it's not chocolate with vanilla icing. It's just not. Less calories and healthy, but that's life, and and some of the choices we make are, are good for us, and some of them taste good. But what does the Bible say? Be sure your sin will what? <laughs> Find you out. Is the, you know, the freshman 20. <laughs> All the weight we put on as we go through life making bad choices. And, and there are people who are living today in pain with broken relationships, messed up in so many ways because of a series of choices they've made in life. Brother Steve Polk was talking a moment ago about the NFL playoffs today and the Panthers and the Seahawks. Well, the Cleveland Browns just got a a new head coach, and he's made it pretty clear he's not interested in them retaining the rights to Johnny Manziel, their quarterback. Uh, Okay. (laughs) 
I'm sure there's a story behind that. (laughs) You know, in 2012, Manziel became the first freshman in college football history to win the Heisman Trophy. In 2014, he was drafted in the first round by the Cleveland Browns and signed a contract that paid him more than $2 million a year. But he's made one bad decision after another, and his career is now in trouble. And it's not new. It's a pattern that has followed him throughout life, both while he was in college and since going into the pros the last two years of his pro career. Bar fights, physical disputes with his girlfriend, a loud mouth saying things inappropriate, lying to his bosses at Cleveland, alcohol problems. Last January, I think it was, he checked himself into an alcohol and drug treatment center. And after two years, the NFL, his future's unclear. Do you know where Johnny Menzel was last night? I do. Because there's stories All across the country this morning, people who posted pictures on Facebook, last night, Johnny Manziel, with all of his problems, about to lose his career, Johnny Manziel was in a liquor store paying $120 for a bottle of tequila. In other words, he's not learning. One bad decision following another, and he's probably an alcoholic. I don't know that, but... His pattern, his behavior indicates he probably is. One bad choice leading to another bad choice, leading to other bad choices, an anger problem. And he's messing up his life and his career and his future. And so over the next three Sundays, I want to talk about the importance of making choices, the decisions we make and And I invite you to take your Bible and open it with me to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Because Jesus said some really important things about the big choices, the important choices, the key choices we make in life. The choices that are going to shape our future, shape our destiny, both on earth and beyond this life. And today we're going to focus on Making choices when it comes to how you live, how you approach life, how you determine what's important to you in life. And you'll remember that Jesus would often teach using parables. Parables were nothing more than stories from everyday life, stories that um, people in his day could relate to because they were taken from 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 events or from realities that that just resonated with them. They got them. And he would use these parables, these stories, to teach, to make a point, to teach a lesson. And each Sunday we're going to look at one of Jesus' parables, something he said about life and about choices. Today I want us to focus in Matthew chapter 7 on verses 24 and following. You have your Bible? Look with me as we read what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, every person who listens to me, who hears what I say and acts on them, not only hears them, but then obeys them, does something with it, may be compared to a wise man. He's like somebody who's really smart, who built his house on the rock. Today, you build a house, you dig a trench, you pour concrete, you pour footers, foundation, 
good foundation is what keeps the house from cracking. Got to have a good foundation. A lot of rocky areas in Palestine. So he said the wise man builds his house on the rock, a good foundation. And who is that person? It's the one who hears what I say and then acts on it. Listens to me, but does more than listen. He makes decisions on the basis of what I say. He obeys my teaching. And then he says life happens in verse 25. Look at verse 25. And the rain fell. The floods came. And the winds blew and slammed against that house. And floods come to us in life, often unexpectedly. We don't always know when a rainstorm is going to, to, to occur. And yet it did not fall. The house stood up against the storm. For it had been founded on the rock, had a good foundation. Now Jesus said, that's a wise person who listens to me and does what I say. It's like somebody who builds that kind of house. And it can stand the storms. You know, after Hurricane Andrew in Florida, new regulations, new building codes were put in place to strengthen homes. Makes a difference in what they can withstand. Then Jesus continued in verse 26, Everyone who hears these words of mine, everybody who listens to me, but does not act on them. See, hearing and doing are two different things. Listening and obeying are not the same. So the one who hears what I say and then acts on it, obeys it, does something because of it, is a smart man. But the one who doesn't, the one who listens but doesn't act on it, will be like a foolish man. So Jesus said one person is like somebody who's really smart, really wise, and the other one is like someone who's really foolish, who builds his house on the sand, not the rock, not a good footer, a, a strong foundation. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it did what? It fell. How do you deal with it? How do you handle it when the floods come? You know, it's often said that that hardships do not make character. They reveal character. They reveal what's really inside of us. And, and the greatest flood that, that's ever going to come to any of us is death and judgment and facing God for the first time. His house fell. And Jesus said, great was its fall. Jesus is telling us there are two ways to live. And you're going to choose Consciously or unconsciously, it's like your brain is firing all these neurons, it's all working and you're making a choice about how you're going to live and, and some of you are very conscious of the choices you're making about living. Others of you are just kind of floating through life moment by moment just letting it happen, letting it unfold. But whether you're very conscious or only slightly aware, you are making a choice about how you're going to live. And those choices are determining your life. Jesus said either you're going to be someone who listens to him and does what he says, a wise person, or you're going to be a person who ignores him, ignores what he says and does whatever you want to whatever degree of consciousness you have about that decision, but the end result is the same. Now, the second person, the one that Jesus says is like a, a foolish person who 
doesn't really pay any, any attention to what Jesus says, doesn't live in obedience to what Jesus says, who ignores his word, they don't all look the same. Outwardly, that shows up in different ways. There, there are some people, and maybe you're one of them, I don't know. Maybe you know someone like this. There are some people, they know what Jesus says. They, they know what Jesus says about right and wrong, about what, what is good and what is not good, about what should be our priorities and should not be our priorities, about values, about a view of life, a world view. There are, there are people who know what Jesus says and yet intentionally choose, deliberately choose to do just the opposite. And when they do the opposite, they know they're making a bad choice, but they make it anyway. There are others who don't know much about what Jesus says. Haven't been exposed to it, haven't, haven't looked into it. They don't know a lot of, about what he said or about his teachings. And just by human nature, make sinful choices. There are people who go through life, and maybe you're one of these, giving very little thought to what is the purpose of your life. What is the ultimate outcome of your life? There are others who are really stubborn. And pride is a big problem. And they're going to do what they want. And even if they know what they're doing is hurting themselves or hurting someone else, they're too stubborn, they're too stiff-necked, they're too full of pride to say, I'm wrong and change course. There are people who live their whole lives in anger. Not sure who they're mad at, mad at the world, it seems. And that anger drives them. I think that's one of Johnny Menzel's problems because he, he gets angry so easily. And then he does stupid things because he's angry. Going through life with anger and a temper problem and it dictating so many of your choices. There are other people who live in denial. They deny their own responsibility. They, they deny their, their own choices. They, they deny that what they're doing is making a mess of stuff. They, they live in denial. But Jesus said all, all of them have something in common. Their house, which is a picture, a symbol, if you will, for the life they're building. Because he says building your life is just like building a house. If you start out the wrong way, it's going to end up weak. The foundation matters. Jesus said the one thing all of those individuals have in common is that their house, their life will not stand when the test come. When the winds blow, their house collapses. Palestine is a very dry area, but it has a rainy season. And when it rains, dry creek beds can suddenly be swollen with rushing water. Rivers overflow their banks. And people, houses, and things can be quickly washed away. Having grown up in the mountains of Kentucky, I know what it is when a flash flood comes and all that water is funneled into a valley into a low spot. And the water can come up quickly. 
and catch you unaware, ununprepared, and wreak havoc. I got to confess, um, one of the uh, television reality shows I enjoy watching is Survivor. Now, I, I don't know why, but I do. I like Survivor. You know, all these people having to live together, work together, but competing against each other to win a million dollars. I just like the human dynamics of it. And um, got a little competition sports in there too, so that makes it even better. I just, I just like that show. And I remember going back several years ago, the second season in Australia. I still remember this. You know, they divide them into two teams typically, way back then especially. And one group built their camp in this really nice area. It was a sandy area. It had shade trees. It, it was just really pretty, and it was nice. And then they, they went away for one of the challenges where the two teams face off against each other. And while they were gone, it came a, a heavy rainstorm. And when they got back to camp, their camp had been washed away, including their food, because they had built it in a dry water basin. And And... The water rushed in, washed everything away, and then the water was gone, and it was sandy again. But their rice and their food was gone. This past September, this September out in in Utah and uh, Arizona, heavy rain and flash floods took lives, took lives. Twenty people died. One vehicle was carrying three women, and I think it was 13 children. It was swept away, and all but three of the children died. A group of friends were hiking in Zion National Park. They were rappelling and hiking, and they were caught in that flash flood, and seven of them died. Seven of them drowned. You see, where you and I build our house, build our lives, how we build our house, how we build our lives matter because the flood's going to come. And, and, and a lot of times it's, it's, it's unexpected. Monisa and I didn't expect to not be together at Christmas and New Year's this year because we didn't expect that she'd need to be in Germany with her daughter who we didn't expect would have breast cancer and need surgery. Came out of the blue. But isn't that how life works? You don't, you don't know when the rain's going to fall. You, you don't know when the water's going to rush madly down the canyon. But once the rain starts falling, it's too ready, it's too late to get ready. You, you, you get ready, you, you prepare by making the decision to live your life on a good foundation. And Jesus said the best foundation that the wise person can build his house, build his life on, is, is to build it on his truth, his words, his teaching by doing what he says. Not just listening to it, but by obeying it, by doing it. Jesus said, the wise man listens and obeys. The foolish man does not. A lot of people are building their lives on a house of cards. Y'all remember, y'all ever do this? Take out some cards and uh, build a house, right? And, And you want to build it wide so you can go high, right? And it's fun. And it can look really cool. And, um, but have you ever found yourself maybe losing your religion a little bit because you accidentally knocked it over and the whole house fell down? 
Huh? Some of you are living a house of cards. It won't take much of a puff to blow it over. Because you're making choices about living that indicate you're ignoring what Jesus says. Do you know what a foolish person does? When, When he chooses to not listen to Jesus... Look at verse 13 in chapter 7. Verse 13. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus is telling us that that the foolish person builds his life by following what the crowd influences him to do instead of what Jesus says to do. That the foolish person takes the path of least resistance. The ancient cities surrounded by a wall and often they had a very large gate that led to the main avenue and, and, and large crowds could move through that gate at one time. But they also had smaller gates that only one or two persons could get through at a time. And Jesus said, if you want to understand life and you want to understand eternity and you want to understand heaven and you want to understand the building the right kind of life, you can't always put yourself on that broad avenue that the masses are traveling through the wide, easy gate. Sometimes you have to be willing to make the choice to go through that small gate that the masses want to ignore and may even not understand why you want to go through that gate. So you've got somebody at work, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody at school. You have a relative. You have a friend who snickers when you talk about Jesus. Who are always trying to put temptation in front of you by asking you to go where you don't want to go and do what you don't want to do. And you've got to make a decision if you're going to build the right kind of life. Are are you going to go that wide, easy path so that everybody else is determining your life? Or are you going to man up, so to speak, and go through that narrow gate where you choose what your life will be? One way is easy. The other means sometimes you meet a little resistance. But on the other side... One has destruction, the house falls. And the other has blessing and life, the house, the life stands. You know something else the foolish person does when he doesn't listen to Jesus? Sometimes the the, the kind of people who talk a good talk, but they don't back it up with game. (laughs) They, they, They don't back it up with their life. Look in chapter 7 at verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Just because you can talk the talk. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You've got to walk the walk. There, there are some people who, they, man, they, they, they can talk a good game. They, they, they can spout it out. They can say all the right stuff. They, oh, I'm going to. Yeah, I need to. I want to. I'm going to. But they never do. It's like an athlete who is braggadocious, but he, he can't back it up on the court. Talk the talk. 
But don't ever walk the walk. Don't ever do it. Don't ever back it up. And something else about a foolish person. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 are one sermon that Jesus preached. Look at what he said in chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. He said, the foolish person allows money and material things to get in the way of more important things. Chapter 6, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in the heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I love the way Jesus put that. He didn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Because where you put your interest, where you put your value, where you put your trust, where you put your effort, that is your treasure and that is your heart, despite what words might say. So Jesus says, are you going to be a wise man who listens to what I say? Knowing the smart thing to do doesn't help us if we don't do it. Knowing about Jesus and what he says doesn't help us if all we do is listen to him and never obey him. True follower of Christ is going to obey him. Not perfectly. None of us are perfect. We're going to try to obey him completely. And we're going to obey him to the point that he shapes our lives and what he says shapes our lives and how we view ourselves and how we view this world and how we go about making decisions. So I want to ask you again, what kind of life are you living? What kind of house are you building? Are you a wise person who's listening to Christ or what Jesus said was like a foolish man who's not listening and then doing? Because the truth is, eventually you've got to decide. And I want to challenge those of you who are kind of floating through life almost unconsciously making decisions about your future and your purpose. I want to challenge you to, be, to wake up and be conscious of what you're doing and make a choice and choose wisely. My wife in many ways is a much better follower of Christ than I am. But she was not always devoted to Christ. When she was in high school, she went to church and, in her own words, loved God, but she also wanted to be like all of us, accepted by others and be liked and have friends and fit in. And she had a tendency to worry a lot about what other people thought about her. And when you hear her describe it, what she says is she told herself her senior year of high school, when she graduated and went off to college and got away from her friends, she'd live for God. And she went off to college. But do you know that Satan knows your weaknesses? When, when you move from one place to the other, he doesn't leave you alone. He goes with you. You know, you know that. And, and, and he knows how to tempt you and if you allow him to, how to break you down. So some of those high school friends went to the same college she did. And she found herself... From time to time, going to bars with them. And on the inside, having this internal struggle, feeling miserable. And one Sunday in church, she heard a sermon. 
And Monisa describes it like this. She said it was as though God was speaking to her and he asked her a question. Are you going to serve me or not? Are you going to serve me or not? And she went to the altar, got on her knees, and answered God with a yes. And she said it changed the direction of her life. She went back to college, got involved in what was then called the BSU, now the BCM. She told her family and her friends about her commitment to Christ because she knew she had to verbalize it to them and let them know what was important to her now. And it changed the direction of her life. And eventually they're all the way to me. (laughs) I'm glad it did. But you see, the choices you make today shape your tomorrow. Even if you're oblivious to tomorrow, today is shaping your tomorrow. You won't shape tomorrow when you get there. You shape it now. What you do tomorrow will shape the day after that. That's how life works. It's that domino effect. So are you consciously choosing how you're going to live? Who you're going to listen to? What's going to matter? What's going to shape you and your choices? And so I want to encourage you to choose to listen to Christ and then obey Him. And so this morning, some of you need to do like my beautiful wife did all those years ago. Go to the altar, get on your knees before God and say, Yes, Jesus, I choose to listen to you and obey you. I'm tired of being miserable on the inside. I'm tired of this inner struggle. I'm going to settle it now that you are my God, you are my Lord, and you are the direction of my life. I choose you, Jesus. I choose you. Some of you are consciously doing some things you know you shouldn't do, that you need to stop. And I'm encouraging you right now to make make a decision to pray and say, God, I know I shouldn't do that. I know it's wrong. And I ask your forgiveness, but I repent of it. I turn from it. And right now, God, I turn to doing what is right. Strengthen me. I repent of that sin. I stop it now in Jesus' name. Some of you have been living with your feet in both worlds. And you need to make the decision. I'm encouraging you to make the decision to choose right now to get your foot out of Satan's world and put your whole being, your whole self, all of you in Jesus' world. Some of you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You're following that crowd through the wide gate on the easy path that leads to destruction and hell. And today I'm asking you to choose Jesus and say today, Lord, I'm coming to that narrow gate one person at a time. You're knocking on my door and you tell me if I open the door, you'll come in. I'm asking you to come in, Jesus. I'm asking you to come into my life, to enter into my life and save me and forgive me and change me and grant me eternal life and adopt me into your heavenly family. I'm asking you, I'm encouraging you when we sing this hymn, all of you who are making decisions to come to one of the pastors will be at the front. Tell us what your decision is to get on your knees at this altar and pray. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to request baptism, whatever that spiritual decision is, now is the time. So let's stand to our feet. And after I pray, we're going to sing.
and I'm inviting you to come. Let's stand. Everyone standing, please. No one leaving. Everyone standing. Father in heaven, right now, right now, Jesus, draw men and women and teenagers and young people to yourself. And God, give us courage so that fear does not win. Give us humility so that pride does not hold us back. Give us a heart that longs for what is better, that we might honor you and live life in a way that is beautiful. Help us to obey you. Help each person who needs to come to this altar right now to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.